Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'll rip your arm off. You know what? Get your ass back home. Get in the gym and figure out what the hell you're doing wrong. Might be called the five-point move. I'm frustrated with the way our Greco guys from the United States are treated because they are good athletes, they are good human beings that, that want to win. we got to help them get there. Hello and welcome to episode 36 of the Five Point Move podcast. I'm Tim Hans, founder and senior editor of FivePointMove.com, co-host World champ, Olympic silver, Dennis Hall. He's not on board for this special Easter edition of the program. He's busy in Wisconsin trying not to, I don't know, climb the walls or whatever. But who do we have? We have multi-time world team member, Betterman Elite founder, and also the founder of Gold Medal Gear. One of my best friends in the sport. One of my best friends overall. I'd like to think overall. Joe. Joe Betterman. Joe Betterman is with me for this first segment. And then after that, we've got... Williams Baptist University head coach Todd Allen. As many of you know, Todd Allen took over Williams Baptist Greco program after Jonathan Drendel stepped down last summer. And also, as many of you know, Williams Baptist is not going to continue its Greco program beginning next fall. Even still, I love Todd, brought Todd on, and we're going to talk about all this. But first, it's Joe. Uh, Joe, how have you been lately, man? I've been good. I've been um, spending a lot of time with the family and uh, getting stuff done around the house during this quarantine and all that fun stuff. But uh, I've been pretty good. I'm miss, missing some wrestling. want to get back at it, but uh, missing uh, having the kid training and stuff like that. But uh, other than that, I've been great. What do they refer to this as in Colorado? Do they call it quarantine? Like just plain out, like anything that comes from your like state government or from your town, do they just like refer to it as quarantine? We're, yeah, we're on a stay-at-home order is what it's called, and then they uh, they have other ones, like up in Denver, they're on lockdown, like complete lockdown. So um, kind of like probably similar to where you're at, but uh, down in Colorado Springs, we're just at a stay-at-home order. We're able to leave and you know go to the stores and then come back and stuff like that. Right. Well, like we've talking about before we hit the play button here, it's – yeah, New Jersey, you're, you're just kind of – I, I, I'm referring to it as a lockdown. It's not really a lockdown, despite the fact that we're surrounded by all of this stuff here. It's more similar to your situation in that if you have to go to a grocery store or, you know, a quote unquote essential kind of business, you can. If you want to go, let's say, uh, we ordered pizza a couple times over the last few weeks, you can go ahead and they have like curbside now where like the people will come to your car. And basically just like you go to the pizzeria and somebody comes out, gives you your food and like at your car, you don't go in or something like that or whatever. They just drop it right in front of your car because you already paid before you left and whatever. Uh, or or if you no, I think my <laughs> I think my wife last week, she ordered pizza and we had it delivered. And so 
the delivery guy just dropped it off like in front of our door, like, and just bounced, went back to his car. But in New Jersey, they've closed the last week or beginning of this week, they closed the parks and beaches. And, uh, I think you already know how I feel about that. I think it's a dumb move, uh, a principally dumb move, if only because what is, especially the area of New Jersey where I live is the Jersey Shore. So we have bays and beaches and like every other part of New Jersey, we have nice parks and things like that. And if you want to close playgrounds and things, I, I can, I can kind of see that because, you know, there's, you know, playgrounds, even when life is normal, it's a germ farm, but closing the bar, the parks and beaches, I think is ridiculous. Just when the weather starts to get nice and people could get outside, get some vitamin D, enjoy the smell of the ocean air and everything else. You go and close the parks and beaches, just Plum dumb, plum 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 dumb. But you know, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Go. The world's pretty crazy right now. The world is pretty crazy. What is also pretty crazy is that on March 13th, the United States Greco-Roman team qualified four out of six weight classes at the Pan American Olympic qualifier, and there hasn't been any other wrestling since then to really kind of dig into. But even if there were. I would still want to get your perspective on that tournament, especially since the week prior was the Pan Am Championships, and a lot of people were kind of concerned beforehand that, like, especially for the guys who went back-to-back weekends, if they'd be tired out and all this other nonsense, and none of that really came to pass, I don't think, in my humble opinion, but I want to know what you think, Joe. So, I mean, four to six in the beginning of the uh, season after the – Kazakhstan Worlds, it was okay. Well, how many do we got to get at the Pan Ams? Well, we got to get at least four. That's pretty much that was pretty much the consensus. We got four. So, uh, what is your what are your thoughts here? I think it's great. I mean, I'm I'm really I'm really excited for uh, the Greco program to get four four done. The last two are obviously are going to be tough at the last qualifier, seeing that there's only one. Right? You know, we only got one qualifier left, and uh, everyone is going to be there, but. Uh, but I'm I'm super stoked for uh, Greco, you you know, with with USA Wrestling and and the whole team, and I'm glad that everyone got it done, and just got to get two more spots out of the way, and you know, um, you know, got uh, was that Coon, right, a heavy hitter, and uh, so hopefully he can get it done, or someone else can step up and get it done. But you know, I'm looking forward to doing six out of six, which would be great for USA Wrestling, uh, for the Greco program, but. Uh, I mean, I think it's amazing. You know, they went, they went there, they set a goal, and they went and got it done. I was, I was excited for them. Well, I would add to this is that I think it's interesting that we, we don't know yet since United World Wrestling hasn't announced anything or whatever. We don't know when that last chance Olympic Games World Qualifier will be. Right, right here in 2020, it was scheduled for after our trials. It could very well take place before our trials now, for all I know, uh, depending on what they do with the schedule. I mean, I think that's probably unrealistic. I think that they'll probably try to mirror what they had going on this spring and just, you know, backdate it to next spring uh, or prorate it, not backdate it to next spring. Uh, but that was something interesting that some of us were talking about is that like, hey, what happens if, let's say, that last chance qualifier is in january or february or something like that next year and our trials are in you know same time april 
it's like, I guess you still send, um, Adam and Pat, which I think, I, I mean, you'd, anybody really be kind of comfortable with, but I mean, who knows? I, I don't think that's going to wind up being an issue. I think it's going to be an interesting year regardless. I don't mean, I mean, we don't know what USA, when the trial, the Olympic trials are going to be. We don't know if they're going to hold another, another US Open, right? You know, for this, this coming year, you don't know if these are, these are unanswered questions that even USA Wrestling, um, I don't think, has the answers to at the moment because it's not on their immediate forefront. Um, I've been on a few calls with them, and it's, you know, with everything that's going on, it's kind of kind of shocked even USA Wrestling, like, you know, going to step back and figure out what they're going to do to make sure it's the, the best uh, possible um, answer for, for all the wrestlers, you know, that are waiting for these Olympic trials. Um, but definitely it's going to be a crazy year, you know. And you know, and now this is a good year for anyone to pop up out of the woodwork, you know. But what tournaments are going to be held so that they can show who they are? So we'll, we'll see. Well, I mean, that's that's the problem, though. I mean, right there, that is the problem. Is that? It, don't get me wrong; it would be a nice problem to have. I mean, I think I, I mean it will take anything at this point. I mean, whatever tournaments become available, when they become available, we will all enthusiastically embrace but right what are those competitive opportunities going to look like let's say should life get to some semblance of normalcy by mid late fall as far as the competitive calendar is concerned and it's like okay well we've got a bunch of talented guys who aren't yet qualified for the trials who are going to have to qualify at the last chance and what are they going to what are they going to have as a jump off point what is going to be their first first tournament back? Is the first tournament back going to be the last chance? I mean, it might be. I, I mean, I don't know why you would have a national tournament in December. If you're, I, I don't think you would. Maybe you replace that national tournament with the last chance. That was a thought that I had anyway. But I mean, that's that's yeah, conjecture. I think, that, I think that's a good. I think that's a good uh, uh, a good opportunity for something like that. But if you I don't know. It's it's uh we'll, we'll have to wait and see see what the, the big guys uh, do up top and decide because uh, I mean the, even the other countries I'm sure are dealing with the same thing you know um, maybe maybe not some big countries like maybe like Russia or something you know where they you know they have a nationals and they have a trials but they also select their team too at the same time right for their best representative so um, but some countries that are maybe a little bit more uh, what would it be a good uh, word for it uh, diplomatic I guess do it in a you you use a uh, certain way to do it you know um trying to keep it fair they're gonna everyone's gonna have the same issue you know right because they normally would use certain tournaments in the summer as like a in some cases some of these some of these programs would use let's say in recent years uh, since it's gone away from a team format karvayev as a tiebreaker like for their team selection yeah, we're gonna we're gonna put these two guys in at 67 kilos, and whoever finishes higher is gonna make the team. I mean, sometimes we've had situations like that, and those aren't gonna be there this time. And yeah, it's upheaval, dude. It's upheaval. What I want to know is what your training plan looks like for last chance. Oh, my training plan? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I've gone back and forth, and then um, with uh, my wife, she's always like, "You're not wrestling," and then we were both joking, and she's talking about coming showing up at the last chance qualifier and, you know, trying to qualify for the Olympic trials. And I was like, well, then I'll do it too, you know, and uh, who knows, you know, that's a, if we're a year away, that makes a big difference. You know, a, a year of training can change everything. And, um, you know, I, I miss the sport every single day and I really, I miss the competition every single day. 
uh, no one misses training, you know, twice a day. Um, but I miss, I miss, uh, competing, you know, I miss the, the grind and I miss, uh, miss being like a Spartan and going in the arena and, you know, and putting my best out there and the other guy puts his best out there and, and either getting my hand raised or getting, you know, going down with my head down so that I can go work on some other things. Those are the things that I miss. And, uh, I think it goes by quick. I, you know, I coach youth now and then high school kids and I try to explain that to them how fast their careers are going to pass before them that, you know, to enjoy it and embrace it and, uh, and give a hundred percent, you know, so we'll see, we'll see, we'll see how my body is. And maybe, maybe I, uh, maybe I show up, uh, no promises yet, but you never know. Okay. Well here, look, let me ask it to you this way. Okay. Because I mean, I make a joke at the outset of this episode and it's like, oh, you know, Joe Betterman is one of my best friends and stuff like that. But I mean, you, you certainly are one of my closest friends. So let me ask you this publicly is that I think it's, I think it's pretty well documented the physical issues that you had gone through towards the end of your career that ended up for, helping force your hand to have to leave the sport altogether. If, if, if there was a chance that you could come back, do you have to get cleared by a doctor in order to do so? No, I think that it comes down to a quality of life, you know, like, uh, you know, obviously depress things like depression could get involved and things like that because you know what Olympic athletes get depressed after not being able to reach their goals. And, you know, I can I say I've ever been depressed from not being able to compete anymore. I, I have been. You know, I miss it every day and I wouldn't have to get cleared by a doctor. I could just go. Um obviously I'm gonna have to deal with, you know, the injuries and we all get injured in in this great sport. Everyone gets injured. I don't care who you are, you're gonna have some type of injury and it's gonna set you back a little bit, but it's for me, it's, you know, it's like a challenge from God. You know, if you come back, you're going to be even greater if you take the right path, you know, and, uh, or you could be, you know, pity yourself and sit on the couch. Um, you know, if I could do it and if my body can do it, I want to be able to train twice a day. Um, the hard thing for me is, is can I be number one in the U.S. if I went back to tr- start training again? I believe, I truly believe I could be. Um, could I, uh, you know, uh, be at the highest level internationally, that might be a difficult piece, you know, uh, you know, so is it worth to do it? If I, if I couldn't win an Olympic medal or world medal, that'd be hard for me if, if I can't train to win that medal, you know, like I need to. Um, so we don't, wouldn't know until I'd start training. And if I, you know, start how the injuries would flare up or if they wouldn't, or maybe I'd feel better, you know, lose some weight. And, you know, I already lost 10 pounds. Uh, I was getting ready for a jujitsu competition and I lost 10 pounds and I was coming down. I was, um, gonna go down to one, they're in pounds. We're going down to once, uh, it was like 159 or something like that. And, uh, and then, you know, obviously that's a little quite a travel from where I was still, where I was competing before. But, you know, if I got healthy and started eating right and doing the things I need to do, I, who knows how my body feels. If it felt great, I think that no one could stop me. But if it didn't, you know, then I think there's gonna be some issues, you know. But, uh, I definitely miss it. And if I can do it, We'll see. You know, I like my kids to see me wrestle. That's what I was telling my wife. You know, that'd be cool. I remember Dennis doing that in 2000 and uh, I think 12. Um, Dennis came back and you know, that was a big thing. He talked to me. He was a coach of mine. And, you know, he was like, hey, Joe, you know, I, you know, no disrespect. I know I was coaching you, but we're going to be in the same weight class. The one thing I want is I want my children to see me be able to wrestle, you know, because they're very young when he was competing or they might not even fully been there yet, you know, so. So I understand that now as I'm getting older and my kids are, you know, my kids are uh, getting older. You know, I have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, a two-year-old, and a one-year-old. Almost one-year-old, I should say. She's not even one yet. 
See, I figure for you, a lot of it is not just physical and not just the fatherhood. It's the two businesses. It's the Betterman Elite, and then it's Gold Medal Gear. So then you have to kind of divvy up your time, how you run practices, how you get out orders for apparel and things like that, and just running the just the day to day operation. See, like that's when I when I picture you and the prospect of you potentially coming back. I don't picture it so much, despite my, you know caution filled question you know would you have to get cleared i picture it more instead of being a physical thing more of a time management thing is that fair oh oh for sure definitely time management um it'd be very difficult uh i coach you know anywhere from four years old all the way through even senior level athletes now and uh and you know i'm putting so much into these athletes you know i want to see them succeed you know Sometimes I think, well, my time's passed, even though I could still beat guys or I could still score on people or, you know, I still, my muscles still fire like they're supposed to. Uh, but then I, you know, I, what if I had an athlete that was in the same weight class as me, you know, and if I came back and compete, that's one thing I said I would never do was compete against one of my athletes that I was coaching. Um, it'd be very difficult for me to compete and have an athlete and wrestle one of my athletes, you know, um, when I was younger, I wouldn't have cared, you know, because I wouldn't have been coaching. I would have tried to kill who was ever on the other side of me. But, you know, um, I'd still end up trying to beat if it was my athlete, but I'd feel like crap because, you know, that's something you don't ever want to happen to you, you know, where your coach is kind of taking your dream away from you. I think that'd be difficult. Um, the gear business, I hired an assistant this year, a full-time employee. It's been amazing. Uh, and it's a full assistant for not just gold medal gear, but with the you know, with Betterman Elite and all with our wrestling academy and all that fun stuff, uh, it's you know it's helped tremendously and taken a lot of stress off of me. And I've gotten to spend more time with my family. So then, if I came back and competed, cutting the family time. So those are things I'd have to weigh if that would be something that I wanted to do. Um, you know, and, and the only boss that I really answered to would be my wife. So if she put a halt to it, that might be <laughs> that might be it. You know. Well, no, I, that's that. That's part of the process, though. I, I mean, every every athlete who has stepped away from the sport, who has entertained thoughts about coming back, they say similar things. I mean, you you you're you're now it helps that your spouse was a world level competitor as well. So I mean, it's not the same situation for someone like who's quote unquote more, like has a normal wife, you know. But yeah, dude, I don't know. I, I, I think it's just, look, it's worth talking about. You know how I feel about it. I like to see guys, uh, who I think is, I mean, personal affinity for you aside. I just, I've always known that you didn't, you didn't exactly end on your terms. And maybe sometimes people don't end on their terms. Maybe nobody ends on their terms really, but. I just, I've always had a nagging feeling that you didn't get out when you, that you, let me rephrase this, reshape this in a more appropriate manner. You got out when there was still too much left in the tank, in my opinion. I'll say it that way. And I know that you were forced out physically and that you had to deal with that stuff. But I'm just saying, if I, no bias intended, it's just that it wasn't, you didn't get out because you had enough. No, I think that's a good assessment of, of like I guess my my ending for my career. I uh, I and, and that's part of the reason. Like I think a lot of athletes like they come back. I I never fully retired, so I can't really say come out of retirement. I never 
put my shoes on him head and, you know, I, I missed those opportunities, but, uh, um, I don't know when that would have been. It could have been 2024. Who knows? You know, I could have just kept wrestling you know, as long as my body let me do it. But, uh, but I feel like, you know, not accomplishing your goals, you know, not, uh, I mean, we can go through the list in 2004. I was young. I was 19. I lost to Dennis Hall in the quarterfinals. Um, 2008, I won the Olympic trials. I, technically i guess make the team but the weights that we don't qualify the weight and so i don't get to compete at the olympics no joe you did, it's not a technicality you did make the team yeah yeah so 2012 though you know 2012 i'm having really good you know year other than blowing my acl out in 2010 when i was ranked fifth in the world um in padugmi in the finals uh uh Almet, you know he came on the other side of me and like tore my acl um so that kind of gave me a little bit of a, like pushed me back a little bit, but then I bounced back, made the world team in 2011. And, and then I lose in the finals, that was Coleman in 12 to go to London. He, he makes a team and I'm the alternate. Um, and then I don't get that last quad in, you know, I only make it really two years through the quad. I'm ranked again. And then I blow my neck out in 2014. I, I ruptured a disc in my neck. Right. Yeah. And I come back in 2015 and then I do all the disc in my lower back and, so that, those things kind of suck, and it could be maybe I needed a break and then come back, but, I mean, it's been quite a break. <laughs> it's been five years. <laughs> yeah, it's been a break, man. Five years and some poundage, so uh, put some pounds on, you know, wrestlers enjoy eating. So, um, but, uh, you know, I have a – there's unfinished business. That's what always kind of draws me back to, like, wanting to come back and compete. Like, you know, I didn't win a medal at the Worlds or the Olympics. That breaks me because I beat, you know, I beat Barrero three times. You know, and he's a world and Olympic champ. Right. Um, I beat all these. Angelo. Yep. I, 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 no, Borrero, too. I beat no, Borrero. I know, but I, Angeloff is the yeah. I, I, You know what it is, dude? So I have a about? preference for Angeloff over Borrero, I guess. Yeah. I, I beat Evo. I've, I've beat him. I've beat, uh, you know, um, Stieg from Norway. I beat uh, all these Olympic, especially some of these younger guys that I beat when they were a little bit younger. When I was at the senior level, and now they're the, they're they're winning these uh, these medals, these Russians and things like that, and I'm like, man, sucks because I wanted to still be in the fight and compete. With, you still want to be a Spartan. No Spartan and no uh, no gladiator wants to retire. You know, you still want to be in the fight, and I, that's the part I miss the most. So uh, it's it's difficult. I got to roll with um, with uh, Nauri after he got back from uh, Pan Ams. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. I rolled with him before he went to. Uh, um, but it, you know, it's great. You know, I'm a lot heavier than him, but it was awesome to be able to go in there and wrestle with him. Uh, getting back to more, uh, contemporary matters here. Uh, who impressed you most at, at the qualifier from the U S? Uh, you know, obviously Sancho, I've, you know, I really like Sancho. He's a good kid. Um, and Ildar, Ildar is just very seasoned. You know, I, I was happy for all four of them getting the job done. Um, you know, I, I think Sancho's still a little bit, he, he's older, but he's young still to me. And I think he wrestled really good. And, uh, you know, he was able to get the job done. So I was, I was pretty impressed with him. Yeah. I, I, you know, the only thing that stops me from saying Alex is just because Ildar had the consensus number one guy in the bracket in the first round, a guy that he was, that basically everybody in the country told him as and everybody else told each other that that was who Ildar was going to have to worry about, and then Ildar had him first round and you know put together a really kind of inspirational match there, especially with that 
uh, throw in the second period that should have been for two. Instead, he got a step out off of it, but nevertheless. But um, I think if I go back and look at it, you know, I Ildar, I don't expect Ildar to. On paper, see, that's Ildar the tough part because the bar is so and, high yeah. for Ildar. Yeah. Yeah, I hold I hold Hilda, Ildar in high regard because I knew him when he was wrestling, you know, for another country, you know, and I think that, uh, you know, I, I think that Ildar should have a world and Olympic medal by now. I mean, personally, I think that, you know, he should have, if it's, if it's Ildar's day, it's going to be hard to beat, hard to beat him, you know, um, you know, obviously getting used to wrestling in the United States and things like that and having a family, those, those types of things, you know, having a family just, you know, kind of weighs on you a little bit. You got kids and things like that. And, you know, you, you start not to say it's, it's bad for your career, but it, your, your priorities change, you know, and, uh, you know, Ildar, I think is a phenomenal wrestler. I think he should medal, um, at the at the Olympics or even at the world, if he you know if he makes the Olympic team, he should medal at the world. He should make medal. I don't think he should lose to some of the guys that he's lost to in the past uh, couple of years. But uh, that's just me personally. You know, technically he's very technically sound, and sometimes I think he wrestles very reserved in certain matches when he can you know he can probably obliterate these guys if he just goes you know you know puts it all out there. So. Someone like Sancho, who's, you know, been banging at the door for, for, you know, a number of years and, uh, seeing a, you know, a young kid is starting to get into his groove. I, you know, that's what impressed me most. I'm impressed by, I was very impressed by Sancho doing, you know, it's weird to have a U.S. wrestler, especially one who's in the, you know, in a lighter weight class where like, it's like, wow. We've got a guy on our team who really just waits for parterre. <laughs> but, yeah, that's true. I mean, not that not that Sancho is a wait for parterre guy all the time, but in the qualifier he was, and I got it handed to him because he really made all of those chances count. Like every time he got on top, he scored. He did not not score. He scored every time. And yep. like that is, if you're going to say something about Sancho from Ottawa, that's the most impressive part. Forget the fact that he wrestled well the week before and only lost to Barrero. Like it's the fact that at the qualifier, he, re- he kept it a little bit more reserved as, as, as I, as I think that you might expect. And even though we always say, ah, oh, you know, you got to encourage risk and, you know, blah, 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 blah. He did it the right way. He he made a bet on himself. He was like, "Look, I'm not going to open up too crazy. I'm not going to go nuts here. I'm not, you know." And he's a real angle guy. He's really angular, and, he, and usually that's where he tries to get to. He, I mean, that's where he tries to get to his lift from his feet. And instead, he was just like, "Look, I'm not going to like overextend here. I'm just going to see what happens." And he, he got his chances from top. He converted almost, I think, every single one of them, except in the uh, no. He didn't even get a chance in the final anyway. Not that it matters because the finals of the Pan Am qualifiers, you know, aside from Tracy's match, I mean, the final of the Pan Am qualifier that this year, I mean, I hate to say it. I said it in the last podcast, but really, who cares? Um, no offense. It's just that, I mean, for the U.S., it was so big just to qualify that, and I, I don't want to hear any kind of warrior ethos here. Like, oh, no, you're there to wrestle the whole tournament. You're there. To, yeah, look, at maybe that's how people like you, I'm. Not to presume, Joe, or project, but, I mean, that's what some people are saying. Like, no, you're here to wrestle the tournament. No, they were there to qualify. They were there to qualify their weight classes. 
I would have had absolutely zero problem if none of them came out for the final. We saw that happen later on at the same Pan Am qualifier in different styles, didn't we? I mean, yeah, like, yep. I, I, I would have had no problem with it. And for Greco, to, to be quite clear about it, this was a huge deal. Okay, this was weighing on everybody since, I mean, to be honest, this was what you, I mean, Joe, you and I were at the same freaking summit in November of 2018, where qualifying for 2020 was a principal topic. This was something that was weighing on everybody for 18 freaking months here. Okay, like, as soon as that 19 world team was selected, qualifying was the only thing that mattered. And And the best part is, it wasn't just because of the 2019 World Championships, which was, of course, the first qualifying tournament of the year. It was because the plan called for the 2019 World Team members to be in charge of qualifying up until the Olympic trials, at least, no matter what. So they all knew if you make the the 2019 World Team in an Olympic weight, qualifying the first two chances, at least, were going to be your responsibility. So this was something that was hanging over every full-time top-level senior's head this entire time. And to me, in Ottawa, that all came to a head when the four of the six qualified. By, by virtue of qualifying, you make the final. By the time the final came around, who cared? I didn't. I mean, don't get me wrong. Tracy no. and the Cuban put on a clinic. It was a really fun match to watch. It was a mess, but it was fun to watch. But, like, other than that, I wouldn't have cared if they all sat out. I, I don't score any of that against them. Sancho wrestled the guy he obliterated for third at the championships, lost to him in uh in the for gold at the qualifier. I was like, oh, who cares, really? I mean, I hate to say it that way, but yeah, that you know, um, I mean, I'm I'm pretty excited for all the guys. Uh, you, like you said, uh, uh, Tracy wrestled great. Tracy's really turned the corner um over the last two years, and uh, Joe Rao. Joe Rao's a uh, phenomenal wrestler, in my opinion, too. You know, he's another Chicago guy, Illinois guy, and uh, he's starting to come to his own. But uh, I just hope that uh, Pat Smith and um, and I know that they, they both can do it, but Pat Smith and Adam Kuhn can get it done at the last one. It's just, obviously, I've, I've been in their shoes, and I've been there where I lost in Serbia, you know, where I needed to win that match to qualify, and I, I didn't. And uh, it, it sucks. So, I mean, uh, I'm hoping that they can uh, get it done uh and they're at their Olympic qualifier. Those are just a tough route. I mean, we saw who is it? Delki. Delki went on a run at the qualifier, which is amazing. Right. Uh, we didn't have That's the best the showing at the Olympics. The last four years, yeah. Yeah, we didn't have the best showing at the Olympics, but I mean, he went on a run. Oh, it was. Just, I mean, Joe, I I hate to romanticize the whole thing over and over and over again, but like, yeah, I mean, Filky's run in Turkey, like that was. <laughs> That was. I just want to rest. I just want the U.S. wrestlers to build some more consistency. Um, our Greco guys, you know, if they could, they need to get at these international competitions as much as possible. Um, they need to get international training. Really, we need to get these the foreign athletes over here to come train with us. Um, you know, we go over there, they come over here, but we need to create that those relationships again, and we just need to, you know, get it where we're more consistent. You know. Um, I joke around and, and with my wrestlers and things like that and some of the senior guys that I hang out with, like Max Nowry, and I say, oh, I was one of the more consistent wrestlers. The only ones that I would place that would be Worlds and Olympics. You know, those are the ones that kind of eluded me. But uh, but when it came to international tournaments, I would tell the coaches, I don't know what I'm going to place. All right, I don't know, I don't know what uh, what uh, 
what color medal I'm going to get, but I'm coming home with the medal. And the majority of the time, it was always true. You know, there might be one or two tournaments where I went overseas and I didn't place, you know, maybe the three or four at the top. But, uh, I mean, those are the types of things that I, I want to see our senior guys, you know, gun for. You know, when Frazier had a thing where we had to get, like, 36 matches or something, he, like, you know, put a kind of like a bet on us, like, hey, if you want to get, you know, X amount of, like, you know, national team funding or whatever it was, uh, you know, I, I challenge you to get at least 30 senior international matches this year. And I one year I think I had 40-something matches. And that was before Worlds and before all those things, you know, it, this is just during the regular year. I was hitting so many countries a year, you know, anywhere from six to, you know, ten countries at most in a year, you know. So I want to challenge our guys to do the same thing, you know. Get overseas, get as much training. I think that's helped Tracy a ton. I think Joe Rouse had, you know, some success from that as well. But get our guys overseas and get them training and get them ready for the Olympics now that we have this extra year. Let's go and get ready so that we can medal, especially in those four weights that are already qualified. Well, let me turn the tables on you, Joe. If Hall was on this show, he would be screaming right now that it should be the opposite, that we shouldn't be going overseas and that we should be – uh, focusing on training blocks and that we should be using that funding to, uh, in fact, bring foreigners over instead of going to them. So let me ask you this, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot here, but I think it's, I mean, it's been talked about enough times that apparently some foreign delegations don't find, um, staying at the training center to be an amenable proposition because they feel that they are potentially priced out of it, if I'm not mistaken. Um, if I am, you can go ahead and correct me. How about you? You have a club. Would you be able to ever host like a, like a solid, like, could you at Betterman Elite, can you host like, let's say a joint, you know, nat- multinational training camp for seniors that would benefit the U.S.? I'm not putting you on the spot. I mean, I'd ask you this. So I, I think, I think that's possible for me. Um, eventually, uh, we're working on our facility and things like that and dorms. Um, another program that would be better for it right now, timing wise, like they're already complete and ready to roll would be like log, like legends of gold, yeah. uh, with Terry pack. Um, and Terry's beat this door down too. I agree with Dennis to a certain extent. I think we need, we still need to compete. Right. So my goal would be, oh, let's go over there, get, compete in a tournament and then train in a training camp after the tournament for say a week. So you're giving up like, let's say you're giving up 10 days, right? And you're doing that, let's say five times, six times in a year. So let's say you do six of those tournaments, you gave up 60 days out of the year. We have 305 more days of training here in the United States. Um, do I believe we need to get foreigners over here? 100%, but they're not going to come. Like you said, they're being priced out. I think that's a good assessment because it's very expensive to train at the Olympic Training Center now. And not only with the expense, but now there's other things that, that, turn the foreigners off. They have to do all these extra things. Like let's say, and it's not a bad thing, but let's say a safe sport, right? Uh, so now they right, have to do yeah. safe sport sure, to train at the OTC. They, so they got to do safe sport. They have to um, do a background check. And I may be wrong on some of this stuff, but I, I've talked to some of the foreigners, right? That, that have come. And then they also have to do a, uh, what was the other thing? They wanted to get a USA wrestling card. And then they're going to pay on top of that, you know, what it costs to train there, which I think it's about $130 for a foreign athlete to train there. Um, and it's about $90 for an American athlete to train there or something, something around there, give or take, you know, five, $10 either way. But, uh, but this is expensive. So when we go overseas, 
um, we want the best deals. You know, we want to get, you know, we don't want to pay $130 per day per athlete to train there. We want to pay $60 a day per athlete to train there. Right. Um, I had, uh, uh, miracle English here in August. Right. He's supposed to come here in June, but we'll see how things play out with all this craziness. Now he brought, um, himself and last year, it was, last time it was six or seven athletes to come. They stayed for two weeks and trained with my team. Um, we, I took them to the OTC and we did a tour and stuff, but they never trained there because we would have to do all these different things for them uh, to be able to train there. And we charged them. I put them with a host family. I didn't charge them. We just charged them $20 a day room and board for the host family to cover their, you know, the food and expenses of being there. 20 bucks a day. Miracle said, anytime you want to come to the Germany, we're going to take care of you the same way. If not, if not better, you know, creating those relationships is what it's all about. Um, I've seen plenty of our senior level coaches get great deals when we go overseas. I was with Yvonne for six years. We go to Bulgaria. Those guys, the Bulgarian Wrestling Federation always took care, great care of us. Um, we'd bring, you know, Sweden over or Germany would come over and train at the, in Northern Michigan. And then when we went over there, they would take good care of us. We took good care of them. Those are what we need to get back to. If we have to do it at a different facility, which is not the Olympic Training Center, which it's beautiful. The Olympic Training Center is beautiful, but there's a lot of red tape. So if we have to do it at, say, Legends of Gold in, in, uh, in South Dakota, there's not much going on there, but right. that's great. No, right. Legends of Gold get. Legends of Gold would be, uh, I mean, especially now. Oh, they got, been they built a brand new facility. Built a brand new facility. They got great dorms. I'm supposed to do my Colorado Fargo team there. You know, I'm the state chairman for Colorado. We're supposed right. to do our, our national team camp there. And uh, obviously with Fargo up in the air, we don't know what's going on. But, you know, I'm talking about bringing 100, 130 athletes there plus coaches. And Terry Pack's like, hey, we'll take care of you for this price. You know, and which was a great deal. I was like, I can't beat that. You know, I've got to go and, you know, deal with Terry, go over there and hang out with Terry and, you know, and get some great training in with some of their guys too. But, uh, and that's just like creating that relationship in the U.S., but we need to do it overseas. You know, our senior level coaches uh, need to go and get it done. I'm sure Lindland knows tons of guys, and hopefully Gary, you know, they know tons of guys overseas. Let's get those relationships going, you know, with the, with those with those teams. I, I just, I don't know, man. It's, it's hard. It, it, it hurts me sometimes when I see that we don't, that we're not succeeding like we should, like the program should. Uh, we we have some small success here and there, but I think we should be murdering it. You know, I think we should be, you know, it's one of the top countries in the in the world. I think we should be getting three four medals a year. But uh, we'll just see what the, where the leadership takes us and and wait and see what we have to revamp. A final topic. And it's funny because I really ought to get Terry Pack or Zach Dominguez for that matter. Zach Dominguez was supposed to be on last week. He had to duck out. Uh, for a family thing, but uh, you're as good a person to bring this up to as any for sure. And it's kind of continuing a conversation I've been having with either podcast guests or like behind the scenes. And that is the idea of a dual series of sorts in the U S for senior athletes. And let me just preamble this with saying that I know and I've seen you participate as a member of Team USA in a dual setting against a foreign team. I've seen you do this earlier in your career. Okay? Right? I, yes. just, I yes. think it's – yeah, yeah. Okay. Instead of 
Now, don't get me wrong, if we could have it that way again, except for a little bit more prolonged, instead of a one-off, like have like a weekend of these things, but my idea, I shouldn't call it my idea, actually, but we don't have a Pinto or Kiki Cup anymore. We don't have anything. We had the U.S. versus Serbia over after Yvonne's camp a couple of years ago in Idaho, but I mean, we don't have duels, is the point, and I brought up the idea a couple few years ago of senior duels, national duels of sorts, you know, and you could do this, like, if you want to like, if you want to do this at like, let's say club level, right? So like you call it like, let's say, let's say army W cap versus Sunkist or NYAC versus Minnesota storm and so on and so forth. And the, and part of this is because I mean, armed forces is a, is the best event for me. It's my, it's, I mean, it's one of my favorite events every year. And I, and I know that sounds like, that probably sounds like I'm getting carried away. No, it's seriously one of my favorite events, even, even with Navy and air force, Navy more so than air force, not having like a, a, a like a, an actual productive full-time sort of program. I still love armed forces. I still love army versus Marines. I still look forward to it, even though they don't do that event correctly uh, the way they hold it. Point is, is that duels sell wrestling to the American audience because the American audience understands the dual format because of folk style and everything else, whether that's high school or college, however you want to see it. And you participated in these duels. Okay, I mean, don't get me wrong, they were international duels, but you were there. I seen you. Okay, like <laughs> I seen you do it, right? And the crowd is all into it. Now, I'm not saying that the crowd would necessarily be as pumped if it's some club duel, but the point is that it's at least first off a mechanism to sell the sport to the casual folk stylish wrestling audience in New Jersey, uh, New Jersey in the US. To sell, even though New Jersey would be appropriate because one of those, you've participated in those duels in New Jersey. But like, it's a way to sell Greco to the casual wrestling audience. That's first off. Second of all, it gives seniors something more to look forward to stateside. And, and the argument against me has been, well, they see our guys see each, enough of each other throughout the year. At whatever mm. tournaments, whether you want to say NYAC and Schultz or in the Nationals or whatever. And that's been the argument against me. I don't know how you feel about it. I've had people on this program before to speak on it. Um, what do you think? Open a can of worms, huh? Um, <laughs> so, uh, first of all, your last, what you said at the end there is, oh, they see too much of each other. I think it's crap. Um, nice. Just because... Uh, we don't have Sunkiss no more, which I love the Sunkiss tournament. It was amazing. I was a Sunkiss athlete for a little bit, and I loved it. It was a great tournament. Um, I missed that tournament. Um, you know, so we only have NYC. We have uh, 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 Schultz, right? We didn't have it this year, but we usually have Schultz. Yep. And that's always on the chopping block sometimes. Feels um, like it. And then you have uh, the U.S. Open, right? You have the Nationals, right? You can't, or you can't count trials now because now everything is – no, you going qualify. down to like, yeah. you got to qualify, right? Yeah. So even if you have trials, you got four tops, right? But really we only have three, which I think is crap. I think we should have at least four or five, you know, events, you know, and if it was the duels, I'll give you a great example. So when, when I was in Northern Michigan at NMU with Yvonne, we did a North versus West duel. 
And I don't know if you've seen the poster. Joe Uselini has posted it a couple times uh, right. on his page. It's popped up in my feed. And yes, you see yes, an yes. older Joe's me. very proud of these things, of course. Or, or you, see, you see a younger me. Um, I forget who I wrestled. I wrestled. I forget which wrestler I wrestled. But, you know, they. I'm Midwest, but I was on the on the east side. It wasn't north versus west. It was, north, or it was east versus uh, east versus west. And I was on the east team, and then you had the west team. Um, you had, like, Jeremiah Davis on the west team and Marco Lara and uh, – uh, I think Daryl Spackman, all those guys, you know, uh, Casey Lawson and um, on that side. And it was a great, it was fun. You know, we held it at a high school. This one was at a high school. Is that it? Like, um, I want to say it was uh, in Ishpeming and it was held at a high school and the crowd loved it, you know, and these are just people that never see this type of wrestling, you know, they never see higher level uh, Greco-Roman wrestling and they get to see it at, at this at this local high school and the, the crowds were packed and uh, Jeremiah Davis got up and sang the national anthem and, and so that was the first time we ever did a duel there and then we started dueling international teams that would bring in for camps so we had Germany come in and we dueled at a casino which was awesome we had Steve, Steve Goss was the assistant coach at the time um, he did a lot of uh, like promoting I, they took a couple of us up and we went to the radio station and we were on the radio on this radio show and promoting this, this, uh, this duel. Well, that I didn't Northern know. I'd Michigan. like to hear that audio. I would like to hear that audio. Yeah. So it was fun. And Steve's a funny guy. He'd be like, Joe, Better, you know, he like elongated my name and, you know, we got Joe Betterman here and, you know, and pump it up. And it was really fun. The duel was fun. The people at the casino enjoyed it. It was great. And they did a couple other duels after that. And, um, Northern Michigan has continued to duel duels. They did duels against the Army, duels against the Marines, duels against Sweden. Um, and then when I got a little bit higher on the senior level, we still would do those duels. But then I was doing duels at the – it was Kit Carson. It wasn't even Tiki Cup or Right, um, right, yes. so you, Yeah, when you dial it back, of course. So it was a Kit Carson, and it was at Fort Carson. It was awesome. It was an awesome time. You know, you were on either USA red, white, or blue team. You know, you're on one of those teams, and I wasn't on the number one team yet. And uh, I wrestled uh, uh, the the Bulgarian world champ. Uh, what was his name? Benko or yep. Valentin? I wrestled him there. I wrestled some really good wrestlers. But but uh, you had, uh, you know, I think the dual system would be good. I think they could do, they could put together New York AC versus... Uh, you know, WCAP versus um, if there's a Sunkiss team. I know they had a few wrestlers, Sunkiss. Um, there used to be Dave Schultz's team back in the day. But put these teams together, Minnesota Storm, obviously, is a big one in the running. And you put these guys, you know, just a quad. And I think people would love it. It's not going to sell out the whole like, stadium. But, you know, maybe one year it's held or, or you not You put even it in the year, right maybe. place, Joe. It might not do that bad, though. You put it in the right environment. And, and oh, for sure. Illinois, even, even, Minnesota, even, Wisconsin. Something like that. Even um, what is the? Uh, we're just you just were talking about it. Um, even armed forces. I have three gold medals sitting in my uh, in my little medal box, right from the armed forces. That is a tournament. I love that. Or that is a duel. I love it because people get pumped. And army doesn't come there and walk through the uh, the marines. There's been some close turn uh, close uh, duels. I mean, the year I, mean, I did, tie, they essentially tied this year. I mean. Army won, but they tied a number of matches. Yeah, see, I won by I won we won by a point. So you had like oh, me, Spencer Mangle. I went up. Yep, Spencer Mangle. I went up. Uh, he he goes and crushes it. 
then I'm up a weight and I go in and crush it. And then Harry Lester crushes it. And I mean, the first four weights, I think Hodge was in there too. We beat everybody. And then we had a couple, you know, upsets in the midweights. Then it came down to our heavyweight at the end uh, to win it. You know, it was pretty intense. And, you know, that everyone's, you know, doing the, we do a little circle in the army and got our arms in, you know, when you go, you run through like the tunnel, you know, WCAP always does a little tunnel where you run through it. And it's, it's, it's pretty fun. It's exciting. I think it'd be great if, if we could implement that at USA Wrestling, especially in a year like this where we're losing a lot of international tournaments. Let's put a duel on in, say, October. Yeah, for a Let's weekend, a like on. a Friday and Saturday or Saturday and Sunday. Like, the, do it in a World Cup-style format. You know what I'm saying? With groups and groups, group advancement and things. That's I mean, look, I'm, smarter people than I can go ahead and figure this out. That's, but that's the way I envision it. Is like, okay, well, you know, like we do this the same way you do the Clubs Cup or the World Cup or whatever. You just go ahead, you know, Group A, Group B, uh, blah, 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 blah. Then we figure out who's going for gold, who's going for bronze, who's going for fifth if you can drill down that many teams. I mean, that's, that's, you know, the, you know, it'd be very interesting is, um, every year we have the, the team title at the U.S. Open, right? At the Senior Nationals. And, um, the way they do it is crazy because they, you know, as many people can, score points right yeah yeah as um, as it's, it's based on numbers right yeah, you know um based on singles. and i've been on i've been on multiple teams you know i was on uh on new york's team new york ac i was on sunkiss's team and i was on you know army. um WCAP's team on the army team and uh and i've seen it you know where you know new york had a ton of athletes like just you know a whole bunch of people on the team and then sunkiss we didn't have a you know we didn't have that deep of a team so I think we would take second usually, or we'd be in a different class, and we might win the bottom class. But uh, um, I, I, I think if they created the dual teams, and say you only use the Olympic weights, don't even use all the weights. Let's just use six, and you do a, a dual dual team championship, and that's what gives yes, you your national. Yes, that's what yes. gives you your national championship team instead of doing it the other way. So then, like Army has their six. New York can come up with their, their top six guys, right? So it's not having a deep, you know, 59 or deep, uh, 67 uh, kilo weight class and you score like, you know, a billion points because you have four guys in there that are monsters. Um, you got your top guy at 60, you know, in your six weights and Minnesota Storm has their top six and yes, they just go like that. Yes, I think, exactly I think it'd be fun. I'm talking. That's even better than what I was thinking. Yes. Yes. And I think what would be even better with that to, to, to grow wrestling even more is it might cause teams to do more recruitment, you know? So like Minnesota Storm, might it has say, to mean we... something like that. Yeah, exactly. You, yeah, you got, it has to mean something. See, I wasn't even thinking that grand. Like I was just like, yo, have a dual series so we can like sell this sport to freaking folk style people is the way I was looking at it. But I mean, yes, if you create, you make this meaningful, like you make it meaningful to where it compels improvement. It compels, like you say, recruitment. Like that's exactly. Well, oh my God! Well, you might you might you might, like, uh, you might have like you might have like let's say New York, all these teams, right? And then they're like calling up Andy Bezik at Northern Michigan. Andy, how's this new kid, man? I need a fifty-nine kilo, or I need a I need a yeah. But wouldn't kilo Andy guy. have his own and, team? Wouldn't when Northern have? Oh, that's team? true. A- Andy could have their own team, or maybe you start recruiting your 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 B team, right? Your two and three guys, so that you can build them up. And maybe they recruit some some stud high school kid. Like when Kamal Bay was in high school, they might have said, "Hey, 
Kamal Bay, man, you're a senior. We'd like to sponsor you. Um, Sunkiss Wrestling would like to sponsor you with us, and, you know, we'd like to see you on our dual team one day. And that gives that kid to, to not only – he's like, yeah, man, I want to I wanna be a part of the dual team championship and win it for, for my team. But at the same time, all those other high school kids that are on his team are like, man, he just got sponsored by Sunkiss, and I want to be that. I want to be on that dual team, you know. It just creates a, a great environment all around. Joe, we're solving problems here. Uh, that's what we're doing. <laughs> well, I like coming on. I like coming on. It's been a while, and I like coming on the on the podcast, and you know, and kind of putting my spin on things. And um, you know, I I just want to see Greco do good. You know, and sometimes it hurts when we don't. You know, it it makes my heart bleed a little bit. You know, it's worse than the coronavirus for me. You know, uh, worse than worse than if I had it, right? You know, I'm just saying I want to see our sport do well. And I want to see just like, you know, with freestyle, the guys that are, you know, freestyle wrestlers, they want to win world titles. I get it. Greco, I was fortunate enough and I was blessed enough to be a, you know, very good wrestler. I did great, great things. Joe, you were more than a very good wrestler, Joe. You were one of the best of your generation. I I was glad to be, I was on the Greco, you know, team that won the world. And uh, I was young at the time, but I learned a lot from guys like Brad Veering and things like that. And I wish that, uh, we can get more and more world titles. I mean, I want, I want us, I think we can get back to winning world titles again. We just gotta, we just gotta go in the right direction and, and just keep pushing through that way. That's, that's my humbleness, <laughs> but you know, it, it, it does hurt. You know, I, I do want to see uh, our guys do good. And, you know, and that once they're doing good, then I have no idea of ever coming back. I want to see our guys kill it. You know, and that's what I think uh, some of the older wrestlers that were successful and they, they see this like, man, well, maybe I'll come back and wrestle because, you know, someone's got to, we got to step up and lead the team. And I'm not saying I'm the, the best leader for the team at all. You know, there's other guys. We got guys on the team right now that are great leaders. Uh, Ellis Coleman, I think he's really come into being a great leader. And, uh, and uh, even Robbie Smith, the guys that have been around for a while, I want to see them lead these young guys and get them, leave something with those young guys so that they can, they could do some special things and so that we're looking back and saying, man, I used to wrestle that guy or that guy, he's killing it now. Represent your team or club with top quality singlets, board shorts, and two-piece uniforms from BarbarianApparel.com. Get creative with team logos and custom designs that make a statement on and off the mat. Worn by the pros and trusted by national teams all over the world, Barbarian Apparel supplies wrestlers with the look and feel they need to conquer the competition. Team orders and discounts are always available. To learn more, stop by BarbarianApparel.com today and save 10% off using coupon code BA10. Barbarian Apparel. Style everyone notices. Quality everyone respects. Uh, Joining me now is Williams Baptist University head coach Todd Allen who right now, in fact, is in his – what do you got, Todd? Do you got a car? Do you got a, a truck? What are you driving? I'm driving a, a little grocery get a minivan. <laughs> like a Ford Windstar? No. I, I tell them, My guys call it a minivan. I tell them it's not a van. It's a Toyota Sienna. Because <laughs> I can't be caught driving a van. <laughs> Well, however you got to define it, that's that's okay with me so long as you stay safe. Um, okay, so let's talk. Todd, if you would, before we get to the Greco team, which is what something people are going to want to hear about, when it comes to the NAIA folk style team and 
all the craziness that started going on around the country, what was it like for you preparing your wrestlers for their national tournament as March started to hit? Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was different because it was right at the, at the, the, the front end of all this, uh, the pandemic stuff and the, the craziness that's going on. And, uh, you know, we had several meetings with, with our administration, the AD, the, the president even, and, uh, they kind of ran, ran through some, some caution points on traveling and, uh, there was, it was right at the front end of the week of national, our national tournament. Uh, they actually pulled us in and we're like, we're, we're still going to let you go, uh, because this is a big event and they're still hosting it. So, um, you know, I, at the time it was like, well, it's just the flu, it's the sickness, what's the big deal kind of thing. And, uh, but our administration was, they were obviously, uh, following it and, and pretty cautious and, uh, worried about it. Uh, so they, you know, loaded us up with some hand sanitizers, some masks, and, uh, still allowed us to go, which I'm thankful for. This was your, I'd say probably your most like solid team since you've been at Williams Baptist from a folk style standpoint. Were you pleased with how the national tournament turned out? Um, it was, uh, let to, to, was I, it's kind of a double-edged sword here. Uh, was I pleased? Uh, I think as a coach, you always, uh, you always go in a little over optimistic and, and want your guys to do better and think they could, could have done better. Um, but then, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. You look back and uh, you look at the guys that went to nationals and, and performed. And, um, you know, when we take a look back, it's like we had six guys that qualified this year that didn't qualify last year. That's a huge, that's a huge step. Uh, we won more matches at, our, at the national tournament that we, uh, than we did the year before. So that's a, that's a huge, uh, that's a huge step in the right direction. So, uh, with those two things in mind, um, you know, we're still moving, uh, in the right direction, which is a, is a positive note. Uh, and then we look at, you know, what's, what's moving forward and, you know, we've got four guys that are going to be returning uh, out of the six guys that we had qualified. Four of those guys are returning. So uh, just trying to, re, you know, just build on that. And uh, we've got guys coming coming off red shirts that I think are just going to fill those other two spots as, as well as some others that are uh, going to be going to be loaded up and ready to go and jump right in. So uh, I'm optimistic again for the, for the following year. Did we perform where I think we could perform, could have performed? Um, no, I think there's always, uh, some things we should have done that we didn't, uh, at the tournament. Um, but, um, overall, I think, uh, I think to, to give it a grade, uh, a grade scale, um, we were probably, uh, a B overall, uh, B minus maybe, um, when obviously all coaches go in open for that A, A plus. What about these wrestlers now? Campus is closed. Are they, are you keeping track of, you know, what they're doing? Are they doing home workouts? Are they on an off season plan? How is that unfolding? Yeah. So we, uh, we initially, uh, the, all the closures started to happen right at the, uh, at the beginning of our spring break. And, uh, our school made the initial decision, uh, not to 
close completely and go strictly to online. They wanted to just extend spring break, in which they did. Uh, so there's kind of some some wavering on, you know, the guys wondering, are we coming back? Are we not? What's that going to look like? And um, I just told them, prepare to come back. But uh, at the same time, you should also have in mind that you're going to just come back to get your stuff and, and go home after that. So um, we have since then, you know, with the uh, the, the increase on, on all this, the, the COVID stuff, uh, we've since gone all, all online and, um, uh, our, I'm, you know, the gyms are closed and wrestling rooms are closed. So our guys are kind of scrambling They're you know, they're messaging our group text and, and just like, coach, what are we, what are we supposed to be doing? And I just, I just laid it out to them, uh, like this. It's, uh, at this point in, in time, uh, this is something unprecedented that we've never seen before, you know, but I guarantee there are guys, uh, during this quarantine that are, uh, taking steps back. And are you going to be one of those guys? Are you going to be a guy that's, that's taking steps back along with them? Or are you going to uh, make something of this, this quarantine time and better yourself? Uh, whether that's watching video, whether that's, uh, you know, shadow wrestling, whether that's, uh, you know, doing workouts on your own, some body work, I mean, body weight workouts. Uh, so I, I got a, a, a website of a, a probably 30 different uh, workouts they can do on their own with no, no real equipment that, that's needed. And I said, hey, th- this is a time to step up and uh, show what you're made of. And um, this is how we jump levels. And, you know, you can easily, you know, sit at the house, you know, uh, do the wrong things and, uh, and take steps back. Or you can do these workouts. You can uh, get your mind right. You can still study because we're, they're doing online classes. Stay Stay up on your on your and uh, and, and jump levels. So uh, you know, uh, since then in our in our group message, I've seen you know times for workouts that I had had up for them, and you know uh, I gave them all of our preseason workouts and was like, hey, why don't you just hit these? Most of these you don't have have to have because we do a lot of CrossFit stuff. I said, hey, most of these you don't have to do you don't have to have a lot of equipment for. So uh, try to hit some of these up and. You know, they're comparing their times of what they were during preseason. Um, actually, to be honest, uh, I'm, I'm pretty encouraged by what I've seen just in communication with our guys. So I'm, I'm excited to hopefully, like, like I said, jump levels here. Okay, well, that's good to hear. And you're a fantastic coach, so none of it surprises me. However, beginning in next season, I guess you won't be a Greco coach anymore. <laughs> so I Correct. guess that's how we'll Correct. <laughs> okay so the word is out of of course and that is unfortunately williams baptist will not be fielding 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 that's not even the verb phrase i would want to use here but williams baptist will not be hosting a greco team starting next fall semester and it's uh that's been a very painful development for those of us within the Greco community. Of course, it's, it was really like a kick to the gut with a steel toe boot. Uh, I don't think anybody was actually very shocked about it as well. And it's just, I don't know. It was just very disappointing. And I think I would reckon that you would agree with me 
that maybe perhaps the most disappointing aspect to all of this is that Williams Baptist Greco athletes did not get to end their tenure as Williams Baptist Greco athletes on the mat at either a trials or whatever. It just didn't happen. How did that? Okay. So walk me through those conversations, especially with your core group, which I'll consider to be at this moment and you can correct me, but that's, Corbin, uh, that is Cessnan, that is Josh Wright, that is Isaiah Sellers, yeah. maybe if Ambergi was going to be back in the mix. Uh, yeah. How did this all coalesce between you guys when the chaos started going down in mid-March? Yeah. Um, yeah, our school, you know, shortly before uh, our national tournament, um, our administration brought us in, brought the whole team in, and um, our AD sat us down. And, and, you know, obviously they had talked to me about that uh, probably a couple hours prior to that uh, and told me what uh, what was going to happen. And uh, so I gathered the guys up. Uh, our, our AD sat down with them and told them and, and read, us, read the statement. And, um, you know, they were just dis- disheartened. Uh they, they felt hurt, obviously. Um, none of them came to Williams expecting uh, the program to be dropped. Uh, so that was, you know, a shocker. And um, the whole year I was super optimistic to those guys, you know, and, and told them and, and admittedly told them, listen, I'm um, – I'm going to be split sometimes between Greco and, and folk style, and they kind of understood that. But, you know, when, when it was their time uh, to prepare for tournaments, I was I was uh, 100% Greco. Um, and then, you know, obviously when uh, the folk style was ramping up for their national tournament, I was 100% folk style. So, um, but they were, they were definitely disheartened. And then, um, and we had actually talked to Corbin, about possibly wrestling some folk style for us too at our conference tournament because um, uh, we we thought he had a chance to to do a little something for us folk style and um, you know they they told him told us right before uh, the next tournament and they uh, Corbin decided hey you know I'm, I just don't feel right representing Williams you know. Uh, if I'm not going to be able to wrestle uh, direct for him. So, um, and, and I understood completely where he was coming from there too. So it, I didn't, there was, there's was no hard feelings there uh, between me and Corbin, uh, even between Corbin and the school, he, he had no hard feelings. It's just, he didn't feel right. So um, obviously he was upset uh, and, and I understood that. So, um, but yeah, then um, you know, then we went to our national tournament for the folk style team, and we uh, we thought, uh, you know, as soon as we get back from from folk style nationals, we're going to hit heavy and hard, 100% Greco again, and uh, we got about a week into to our training block, and um, the COVID stuff started ramping up, and um, so it kind of wasn't uh, it wasn't one kick in the gut really. 
it was two to these guys because they didn't get the, the finish of the cycle that they started. And, um, it was just hard. It was just hard. And um, I think, uh, you know, to be quite honest, Seller, John Gray, Sam Burton, those guys in Kansas are all coming back. Uh, the Williams, they're going to they're gonna compete for our both South East. Corbett uh, um, and Will, they're still unsure where they're going to go. Will's mentioned Northern Michigan. Corbett's mentioned Northern, probably not as heavy uh, as, as Will has. Um, and, and, I, and I told both of them, if they if they wanted to stick around, I'd be more than happy, just like the other guys, to, to have them on our team, on the folks out team. Uh, but I understood if they wanted to go and, and pursue Draco, um, I did had no hard feelings. And, um, and one thing I did, you know, I did promise for them, is, hey, I'm going to try to help, help fund some stuff, you know, whether that's buying a hotel room for you, you know, to go wrestle at U23s or, or whatever, uh, I'm going to try as much as I can. And a lot of that's going to be done through a youth program that we've got started there. So um, I'm hoping to be able to, to give at least um, something back to them still, uh, the guys that do stick around to help uh, pursue their dreams. You know how I feel about you personally, um, having gotten to know you. It seemed to me as though, well, first off, that you've never – Despite not being a Greco guy, you never gave yourself enough credit, I don't think, uh, for all of this. I don't think you've given yourself enough credit for, first and foremost, keeping that Greco program alive for at least another year after Drendel left. That's, that's, that's first and foremost. That's number one. Number two is what I'm interested to know is how did coaching Greco impact you for the other style, if it did at all? Uh, it definitely did. Um, you know, I mean, um, as I mentioned uh, in the past, um, I had uh, Nick Drendel in there helping me out, um, and um, I learned from him. I was, I was sitting back a lot of the times, you know, from, a, from the coaching perspective, and I was really – uh, almost being mentored by him. So, um, Greco, uh, and, and we talked a little bit about this when we were at Bill Farrell. Um, Greco is their moments of attack are so minuscule, so small that you have to take the opportunity. And that's what I think I, I gained the most out of was being able to see, uh, see wrestling a little bit from a different perspective and taking advantage of uh, those small openings way more uh, than what you typically do from, a, from a, the folk style perspective uh, because there's so much leeway in folk style. Uh, and Greco, the opening's small and for, for a minuscule second. So, um it definitely helped me see the sport a lot better. Um, and I was, I was able to transition that a lot to, to the folk style side of things. I know that you didn't have a ton of time to be able to do it this way. You didn't, I mean, you had 
about a season. But did you ever right. reach a, like, at least, I, I don't know when that would have been. I don't know if that would have been, let's say, after NYAC tournament. I don't know if that would have been in January or February. But did you ever reach, like, a certain level of comfort, a level of confidence to where, you know, you were starting to kind of get into a groove with uh, the Greco side of things? Yeah. Um, after after the Bill Farrell, uh, I came and, – and a lot of it wasn't even uh, me wrestling and, and practicing and drilling the Greco. Uh, a lot of it was watching it. Uh, watching that high-level wrestling uh, from the Greco aspect at the Bill Farrell, and, and we didn't even stay for folk style. So uh, I didn't see any of the folk style – or, excuse me, the freestyle. Uh, so I didn't see any of the freestyle. Um, but watching that high-level Greco took me to a, a different confidence level. And, uh, and, and again, I'm, when I wrestle Greco, I'm not a Greco wrestler. So, you, or I, you know, I say that. And, and after Bill Farrell, I was like, I'm a different wrestler. You know, I'm, you know seeing these guys do this stuff, uh, I can do it. Why not? You know, so it was just uh, definitely I felt confident after – uh, Bill Farrell, that um, I, I I knew what I was doing. Um, by no means had I perfected anything, or you know I wasn't a world beater or anything. But uh, I did have that confidence level after NYC. I was like, hey, I can uh, I can show this, and you know I saw this uh, this guy do this, and um, I kind of picked up on it and uh, started doing it myself and started trying to show some stuff and. Um, so there was a, a, a different level of confidence after NYAC. Um, and then obviously going to the U.S. Open in that level of wrestling just uh, boosted that even more. But um, I, it was definitely after NYAC where I was like, man, this is, this is, uh, Greco's, Greco's a blast. You know, I Greco's was watching really you. fun to wrestle. And, I was watching you. And you did. You you did seem to be having the time of your life. Like I saw you. I was watching you purposely. Like just watching you watch matches, and I could see you getting excited and like adrenalized when you see something happen. You know, it was cool to see that. Yeah, yeah, different. It's it's almost like uh, you know when a, first, a kid first starts wrestling. You know, a kid first starts wrestling. He's not wrestling to be a world champ. You know, he's wrestling to have fun, and and that's what that's what it really ended up. I guess bringing bringing some more fun back to back to wrestling, even at the college level. One of the premier silver linings coming out of the whole entire Williams Baptist situation, and I don't I don't want anyone to look back at Williams, you know, three and a half years or whatever of existence, and have a bad taste in their mouths because it didn't end the way that. It didn't, well, first and foremost, the fact that it didn't continue, but also that it didn't end the way, if you're going to have a last season, have a last season, they didn't even get that chance. So I don't want, with that, I don't want people to, you know, like, I don't want to remember Williams on a bad note because of that. So, like, I would say that also one of the silver linings to this thing, and this is something that I'm sure will be echoed uh, even further by others, is that at the very least, even though the administration did not see fit to continue the program, I would say that it proved that the model works. 
that this can work yeah. at the right institution. I was wondering what your input would be regarding that fact, if only because there have been other colleges who have talked to certain members of the Greco community, certain coaches, certain members of the national staff, whomever, where they've kind of checked in on it a little bit. Like, is this something we might be able to do here, especially at private enrollment-driven institutions? And that is certainly something I would like to see grow. And we, we've already seen it happen now twice at the high school level. There's uh, the Burlington Central Catholic High School in Wisconsin that hosts the Topper Wrestling Club. They've had kids go overseas practically all year long. And then starting next year will be a military school in Wisconsin as well. So, like, we're starting to see it now. Wisconsin, that's easy to say, of course, because Wisconsin's a huge Greco state. But at the collegiate right. level is what I'm kind of focusing on. Since you've been a coach at this level for a while, on the uh, folk style side especially, what do you see about the premise of Greco and the model of putting these kinds of programs in at a enrollment-driven college? Uh, yeah, the, the, the short answer is yes. Um, it, it can be done. Um, and I think, I think Williams could have had it happen if there were some others that jumped on board. Uh, and, and that was in conversation with, with administration. Obviously, the money was an issue, uh, uh, number one. But uh, two was, who are we competing against uh, from, from a notoriety standpoint? Um, yes, we go to us open. Yes, we go to, um, U 23s. Yes, we go to Bill Farrell. Uh, but the, the other question that kind of just was hard for the administration to grasp was who are we competing against? You know, folk style, we have, you know, lion, we have Missouri Valley, we have Grandview, we have Cumberlands, we have, uh, Lindsay, we have all these schools that we're competing against, and in Greco, there was no school, no institution that we could say we're competing against them. Um, so I think that was a big thing uh, that kind of also threw them off. Um, so I think if it it could happen, it needs to be a collective. Okay, we've got five schools within six eight hours that. Um, that are going to do it. Um, yeah, but you see, but Todd, it, I don't mean to break in here, but see, the only thing that I disagree with there is that why wouldn't it be enough for a college to know that it, it is supporting an Olympic sport, an actual Olympic sport? Like, see, that's the part I, 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 right. I'm disconnected with, is that, like, why wouldn't – how why couldn't that be enough? Northern Michigan has been around for 20 years. Now, granted, Northern Michigan is Northern Michigan. Northern Michigan now enjoys support – from more support than ever from its own institution, not USA Wrestling, certainly not the USOC after, you know, what happened at the end of the summer. But even still, right. the point being is that Northern Michigan is happy to have a team, a program that serves the Olympic spirit. And I, I just don't understand yeah. why a college wouldn't be able to lean on that and be like, look, we have an actual the oldest Olympic sport. We have a training center for it. We have a team for it, a program for it. See, that's the part where I'm like, oh, come on. How could that not be enough? I mean, because it has to, to be honest with you, it should be incumbent upon the college to at least a certain extent to market it that way, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm not trying to put you in a bad position by saying that. Just... No, no. I, I definitely get it. Uh, I, I see where you're coming from, from a. Um, and obviously you're seeing it from 
the Greco, the the USA. Uh, I'm on I'm on Team USA, you know, 100. percent And um, and I get that. Uh, you get that. Uh, USA Wrestling gets that. Um, administrations don't. And and it's not and it's nothing against any administration. Um, but they want to see. Okay, we wrestled Lion. You know, we wrestled Lion College this weekend, or we wrestled Missouri Valley, and we beat them. And they it just it's just not there in Greco, you know. And and I think, but I I do think um, it's a lot like it's a lot like women's wrestling uh, back in the early '90s. You know, uh, there was probably it started maybe four four teams: uh, University of Cumberland, Missouri Valley. Uh, what other, you know, there's, there's probably four or five teams that started with, um, and at that time, you know, women's wrestling wasn't even a thing in the Olympics. And, um, uh, so the, the college aspect kind of grew into Olympics getting, you know, women's wrestling. So, uh, and we're kind of doing it backwards, uh, with the Greco, you know, um, Greco is obviously already in the Olympics. Uh, and now we're trying to grow college wrestling so um but yeah I, I think it can be done um yeah i just i just think the administration looks at it not as team usa they look at it as who are what other what other, what other institutions are we are we sure because they and, want a tangible they want a tangibility aspect to it they want to be able to have a benchmark and the biggest way to for in wrestling to get a benchmark is to compete in dual meets and things right. like that. We have results. We know how we're doing. We know how we're improving. And it's very hard to sell that to a, an administration, I would imagine, when you have a Greco program full of guys who aren't even very experienced in Greco, at least as a whole. And then they're going into national tournaments and not exactly cleaning up. And then it's like, look, I mean, you've got to right. stay with the process here. And that that's the frustrating part about it for me, obviously, is that they didn't stay with the process. And I that's... That's what bothers me the most is that we don't – when you cut the cord, we don't know what this would have looked like in three years. We don't know. We'll never know now. you know. And right. that's the part I think that bothers me the most. I'm sure it bothers others, but nevertheless, it is – Oh, it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> so, right. Uh, now, look, I, I – and I don't want to keep you because I, I know that you uh, have you, – you're getting your mom and everything. But the one thing I want to ask you, and I, I hate to put you on the spot, and I know that you are – you already have a coaching gig and you have a wife and you have children and you don't have the most downtime on planet Earth uh, either way. And I, I don't – I don't want to embarrass you and and put you in a spot here by asking you this, but now that you've gotten a taste of Greco, I can tell you definitively as someone who works very closely with our nation's program, we don't have a ton of coaches developmentally or otherwise. And I was wondering if you could see yourself kind of maybe fashioning yourself into some sort of a Greco coach, at least when you have some off time from folk style going forward. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I definitely, I can definitely see myself. I, I don't know if I've told you this before, but, um, out of all the styles, I love wrestling Greco the most. I, I love wrestling Greco the most. It's the most fun to wrestle for me. Uh, watching, I'm not a, 
I'm not someone that I'd rather watch a folk style match than I would a Greco, but as far as wrestling, I think it's uh, the best developmentally for me uh, that it has been for me. Um, even in my older age, <laughs> wrestling it more and more, uh, I think Greco's made me a, a, a ton better wrestling. So wrestler. So, um, so yeah, I, uh, my son, my oldest son, he's, he's 10 years old. Um, having a Greco team around has actually encouraged him. He, he's like, I want to, I want to wrestle Greco dad. So at 10 nice. years old and I'm like, nice. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. He's like, you know, I want to throw a head and arm. I'm like, sweet. Like, that's awesome. You know? And, um, he's already got it in his mind just from these Greco guys. Like, you know, you hear, you know, you learn, you learn a head and arm in, in youth and you'll, you, you won't use it very much or, you know, it'll end up getting you pinned or whatever. And these Greco guys have gotten it into his head. Like, no, you throw a head and arm and you do it right. And you, you sink your hips in and, you know, you send it and it's, it's going to work. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged by that. And, you know, you know, like I said, we have this, uh, this youth program going in our facility and, um, I'm definitely going to do Greco with them a hundred percent. Um, I think like I'm, like I mentioned, it made me a better wrestler. So, uh, it would definitely make, uh, those youth kids better. And, you know, the hand fighting is phenomenal. Uh, it takes it to, it takes their folk style wrestling to a different level. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'd love to see, uh, I'm definitely, uh, interested in, in growing myself as, as, uh, uh, at least a semi-known Greco coach now, I guess, you know? Well, that's wonderful to hear because we could certainly use as many of them as we can get, certainly, especially with coming on the, I mean, we're what? Uh, even though the Olympic trials are not till next spring, apparently, uh, either way, uh, we are on the cusp of entering a new quad, which is always an infusion of new blood and, everything else. So I just wanted to check in with you on that. And uh, I guess my last, I mean, just to sew this up. So this, if you could, what would you say was your best memory? Even though it was a short window, what was your best memory coaching Greco at Williams? Best memory coaching Greco at Williams. Um, I would say, um, I would say when, when Corbin got his win at us open, um, I saw the amount of work that, um, that him and, and will and, and, you know, Isaiah, all those guys put into it. Uh, but to see him get that win at the U S open wearing, you know, William singlet with his name on the back and, um, and just how excited he got, um, uh, that was a, that was a big deal for me. Um, and one other moment that I think was just brought a sense of excitement and a great memory was, you know, having Corbin score on mango, you know, (laughs) I was blown away. I was like, yes. It was just, that, that was, that was a good memory. Um, you know, those two memories really, really stick out when I, you know, look back on this year, um, because 
I, again, I know the hard work that these guys put in and, you know, the heart and dedication and the dreams and aspirations they have for themselves. And, you know, Mango's obviously a top tier wrestler, uh, in the Greco scene, uh, to see him, uh, to see him score on him was, it was just exciting and, um, filled, filled my heart, filled my coach, the coach's heart in me. So. Yep, that was memorable. That first tournament uh, for Corbin as a WBU Eagle. Eagle. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was something. Well, Todd, look, it, I'm not going to keep you. I hope you sincerely have a great and wonderful Easter weekend with your family. And you know I'll be in touch. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Todd Allen, if you don't know what he looks like, by the way, he's a more muscular CM Punk. That's what he looks like. <laughs> Much more muscular, if you believe it, but he looks like CM Punk. So look out for Todd. <laughs> I appreciate it, Timmy. Thank you. Thank you, and have a good Easter, man. Okay, and so that was Todd Allen. And yeah, the Williams Baptist situation sucks. There's just no other way to say it. And Todd has nothing to do with it. Todd is aces. He's a fantastic coach. He's a fantastic guy. I'm so glad I got the chance to know him and become friends with him, and we will continue that relationship. But Williams did him no favors. They did their athletes no favors. And in full transparency, those of us who are involved in the Greco program, whatever capacity, closely involved, I would say, we saw this coming. And the reason why we saw this coming, and once again, had nothing to do with Todd, the reason why we saw this coming is because of what transpired at the end of last season. When Jonathan Drendel stepped down, And you have to remember, for those of you who may remember, Drendel did not take another coaching job somewhere else, another Greco coaching job somewhere else or anything like that. He left for Missouri to continue his pastoral education. That's what he did. But the thing about that is when Drendel informed the WBU administration that he was leaving or shortly thereafter, they opened up the position. Here's the thing. They half-heartedly opened up the position. They kept it open just long enough to get a few applicants. Now, here's where it's a little interesting is that one of the applicants, and I'm not going to mention this gentleman's name, one of the applicants who Drendel preferred, Williams just basically dismissed him sight unseen because of one bullet point on his profile, on his resume. And if they were serious about having a healthy, functional potentially successful Greco-Roman program, they would have hired this guy. This guy who I hope, sincerely hope, gets an opportunity somewhere else because he would have been amazing and he will be amazing somewhere else. So when that happened, I'm skipping around a little bit here, but when that happened and they didn't take this guy and they didn't keep the position open long enough to really gather a bunch of qualified, solid candidates, they just didn't. What they did was they met with Todd, who, of course, was already coaching the NAIA folk style program for Williams after Regner left. And the way Todd interpreted that meeting was if he didn't take over Greco, they were going to cut Greco. Now, here's Todd with no Greco coaching experience and hardly any discernible Greco competitive experience taking over the program to save his athletes, to step up for his athletes his wrestlers who paid money, paid tuition, moved away from home to go to Williams 
to wrestle Greco. Now it's true that there's a lot of overlap overlap at Williams. You know, as far as it's not like they had 50 Greco guys, not Northern, but they had some who were just Greco. And here was Todd. It's not like Todd got some enormous boost in salary for also taking over Greco. I mean, it's not, you know, this isn't Penn State money here. And so Todd goes and he does this. And it was just one of the noblest things, really, for a guy in that position to do. It was just incredible. With that said, if you're Williams Baptist University and you're asking your folk style coach, who admittedly doesn't have a ton of Greco experience, to take over the Greco program on top of his folk style duties, I don't think that suggests they take Greco very seriously over there in Arkansas, right? I mean, you would think. So still, I mean, Todd did whatever he could, and he was so supportive. He immersed himself as much as he could in the style, was just so there for his athletes. And he's just such a great guy, and he's tried his best. It was a spotty season. It's not like there were a ton of competitive opportunities. I mean, that, that was something that's been haunting all the seniors the past few years, but all the seniors that who aren't uh, top, you know, national team type guys anyway. And so what Williams this year, what they had NYAC and they had the open and that was that bam. See ya. They didn't get to finish their careers, their Greco careers. Anyway, they didn't get to finish their Greco careers as Williams athletes on the mat because everything was canceled. Well, postponed all the trials, everything. I'll backtrack a little bit in February. You know, we were due for another Williams Baptist report, and some of these coaches' reports, all I do is text a guy, hey, you know, it's time for a report. You know, let me know your availability. I text that to Todd. Todd texts me back something kind of cryptic. And he says, uh, you know, well, why don't we push it till next week? Because I might have some news to tell you. So when you hear I might have some news to tell you, you don't really know how you're going to take that. How are you going to take that? You know, it's rarely good. <laughs> It's rarely good. It's like when somebody says, hey, we need to talk. It's That's the way I read that situation. I saw that text. I was like, oh. And then Todd kind of gave me a little bit of an inkling as to what was going on. And this was, I think, early February or thereabouts. I immediately shuffled that information off to Matt Linland, to Gary Mayab. And I implored them to contact the Williams Baptist administration. Linland immediately did. And immediately got on the horn with someone over there. I'm not going to mention this guy's name, but it's just, you know, I'm just, I, and at this point, I mean, what can you do? I, I'm, I don't have any kind of delusions of grandeur. Like, I, I don't think I'm someone very important or more important than I am or anything like that. I Believe me, I, I, I certainly don't. But racing through my mind is like, well, what can we do to save it? Is there anything we can do? What can we do? Futile thinking. Because it, by that point, you, you, you know that if Todd is giving you a cryptic text, and it's only February for crying out loud. I mean, we are, we're not even past. I mean, in February, you still think that there's going to be U23 and junior trials and Olympic trials and everything else. You still think that. That's kind of just how it was. So a, a week later... Sure enough, it just became confirmed and Williams, their own just, you know, forgive me, but just dumbass statement. You know, that's what you do. You know, I mean, I think the collegiate crowd, the folk style crowd there, they identify with this much better. You know, they're used to it. They're used to seeing programs cut. Old Dominion just got cut for the worst reasons ever. Lack of total transparency from that administration, of course. You know, I think the college program, like the traditional college wrestling 
you know, over the past decade and change, I mean, we're, we've seen a million programs get cut. You know, with, with a Greco program getting cut, it's different. Now, it doesn't get the press. It doesn't get the attention. Nobody else outside of Five Point Move was talking about Williams Baptist cutting Greco, right? I mean, this wasn't information that you were going to find on the mat.com or Flow or Track or anything like that. None of those people really kind of care. But for Greco, it's it's not awesome for optics when a program, the second ever Greco program at a college, gets cut just barely after three years and some change of even having launched. And so it looks like a failure. Well, it wasn't a failure. The only failure involved with Williams Baptist University is Williams Baptist's administration. That's the failure. Todd Allen didn't fail. Jonathan Drendel didn't fail. Kerry Regner sure didn't fail. Now, Kerry, if he were here, he would pop on and he would say, well, yeah, but that's only because there were different people in place when he was able to even bring the program to life in the fall of 16. So, but you get what I'm saying. And that is, no, there was no failure here except for Williams just not understanding the value of having an Olympic style wrestling program at their college that they did nothing to market nothing to they did no marketing for it themselves they did nothing i'm still sore over it and it, it i'll say this it sucks if only because williams could have been a great situation because the athletes their travel was budgeted their travel to the domestic events whatever they were they were all budgeted so i mean this year there weren't going to be a ton of them but if we're calling it what New York AC, we're Schultz, your trials, your senior trials, your junior trials, your U23, all that stuff was covered for the Williams guys. It could have been great. That's the one thing I'll give the program credit for. But other than that, they did nothing. They cut and run, and now there are athletes who have to figure out what they're going to do next. Whether we're talking about Corbin Nurschel, whether we're talking about Sean Cessnan, who went to Northern and came back, and they have other guys, they have Josh. Right. They have Isaiah Sellers. They have Devin Ambergi, who I'm high on at 97 kilos when he has uh, competed. And it's just, this is ridiculous that we have to take this L because an administration wasn't forward thinking enough to keep the program alive long enough to see it actually become successful. And successful could mean a bunch of different things. But one of the principal things it means is a healthy roster. They were just starting to build traction with Drendel at the end of last year, midway last year. Maybe it took a hit with recent events, but either way, it's just a sore subject. I was going to editorialize this whole situation on Five Point right after Williams announced they were going to cut Greco. I held back and pivoted to the activities surrounding the seniors and everything else. So this is just my way of kind of forcing closure, if you will. There was one other item I wanted to touch on very quickly. For those of you who are loyal, passionate, devoted, frequent readers of 5pointmove.com, and I appreciate every single one of you, as do the athletes, as do the coaches, I'm sure you've noticed that the content schedule for 5 Point has slowed down quite a bit. The content rollout, if you will. I mean, there's just, there hasn't been the same breadth of material being released over the past month. And I don't think it takes a genius to understand why. I don't really like to share too many personal details, certainly not publicly, but like all of you, it's been a series of adjustments, right? So on March 14, that's the day after the Pan Am Olympic Games qualifier, 
I'm in New Jersey, so right then and there, we had found out that my kids' schools were going to be closed for two weeks. Before the, even the end of that week, we had found out that their schools were going to be closed for a month, and at this point, they're closed indefinitely. So that's where we're at. But with all this, my wife is working from home, and so she observes normal office hours. I am a writer outside of Five Point Move, and I work for another company, but I work remotely anyway. So what has happened is my schedule has kind of flipped. When my wife's workday ends, my workday begins, and it has limited my availability to do what I do and to call athletes, talk to athletes, talk to coaches, write articles, do Q&As, and whatever else. So that's kind of what has gone on, but we are starting to make some progress. We are starting to get a battle plan back together, and moving forward, there should be much more material starting to become available and, you know, just like all of you, I am hoping and I am most importantly praying for all of this to come to an end. I suggest you do the same. And you know what? Take some vitamin D. Take vitamin A. Take a whole lot of vitamin C. Drink water. Like I got to tell a wrestling audience to drink water. And get some exercise. Get some sunlight. And hopefully sooner rather than later, life begins to take on a semblance of normalcy again. And I hope everybody stays healthy. Everybody stays safe. And everybody stays positive. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not going to riff too much here. It's just, I find it, I mean, social media has a lot to do with this, for better or worse. One of the things I have found amusing is the washing your hands thing over the past month. And it's like, we needed a tutorial on how to wash our hands. You know, 20 seconds or more. Make sure you wash. You got to do a good job. You know, get on top of the hands, the back of the hands, the knuckles. Make sure you scrub, scrub, scrub. You know, whether it's soap and water or hand sanitizer, you got to get it done. And now the masks are all over the place and it's just surreal. But, and I mean it when I say it, I hope everyone, all of you and all of your family and all of your friends, I hope everybody stays healthy and stays safe and we all get through this and then, hey, we'll start talking about events again. We'll start talking about athlete matchups. We'll start getting pumped up and hyped up and, I can't wait for that day to come, and I'm sure I'm not alone. Social media concerns. If you'd like to follow Joe Betterman, you can do so on Twitter at JBAElite and on Instagram at Betterman underscore Elite. Todd Allen is on Twitter at T Allen Todd and on Instagram at T Allen WBC. Dennis Hall. Okay, so we do this every time. Do not follow Hall on Twitter right now unless you'd like to waste the precious motion it takes to click on something. But he's there with the handle at Dennis Hall WGW. You will have better luck and certainly get much better value if you follow Hall on Facebook simply by searching up Truth of Wrestling. And for USA Greco-Roman news and athlete perspectives, please go to 5.move.com. And as always, follow along on Twitter at 5, the number 5, PT Move. That's it for episode 36, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.